Welcome to the Thousand Greens podcast. I'm your host, Love Goel. Thousand Greens is the social network for members of private golf clubs seeking camaraderie through golf. Golf anywhere, friends everywhere. Three previous guests of the Thousand Greens podcast come back to talk Bantam Dunes. We talk about everything you need to know to plan a great trip, what to take with you, which courses we all love, and how to have the best experience possible. For what it's worth, no one is paying us to do this episode. We just love the place that much. As always, let me know what you think of the content by liking, subscribing, and sending any feedback you might have. Contact info is in the show notes. Let's jump right in with Rick, D-May, and Hecky. First, let's start with a few introductions. This is the first time we're doing multiple multiple folks, multiple interviewees on the same uh, episode, but every single person here has been on the podcast at least once, so it's definitely not my fault if they don't sound good. Uh, first up, we'll start with Rick Mo. Rick, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about you know your experience abandoned. How many times have you gone, and when did you go most recently? So I am the rookie of the group. Basically, I've only been once, and that was in very recently, this past November. So it was my virgin trip. It was amazing. And I can kind of give some input from someone who went once, and I already know some things I may do differently next time. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's an amazing place, and I can't wait to talk about it. Look, looking forward to your thoughts, Rick. Next up, we've got uh, David May, also goes by D May. Had a great episode on the podcast. Uh, D May, tell us uh, tell us the number of trips you've taken and when you went most recently. I have been to Bandon twice. Um, I actually have my next one. In the books, I recently booked it to take a, a large group, um, and uh, I guess the last time I went was maybe three years ago. It was right before the uh, the COVID situation, so um, it's been a few years, but I can't wait to get back. Awesome! And last but not least, for this episode, we have Ryan Heck goes by Hecky. Hecky, tell us a little bit about your experience at Bandon. So I, I went to Bandon for the first time, I think, in 2003. Uh, so it's, it's been 20 years. Uh, and I, I totally lost count of how many times I've been and um, how, you know, how many times I've played all the courses out there. Uh, these days I go three or four times a year. I have the greatest fortune of living in Central Oregon. So I'm about a four and a half hour drive away. And I'll be making that drive a week from Friday, early morning, heading out there, uh, spending the weekend with some guys from Seattle. Uh, they get to fly down on a private plane, and I get to drive and buy all the booze and be their drug mule. <laughs> so you get to be the Costco run. Got it. So just to give uh, the listeners a little bit of context, uh, I have been to Bandon now twice, both on buddies trips with members of my club uh, when we had an aeration happening. Um, last time I went, I can't even put a date on it, but it was uh, before the sheep ranch opened. So most recently, uh, I, I've probably been there uh, least recently of anyone on this podcast. But what we're hoping to get across today is uh, a variety of perspectives on the property itself and, and how best to prepare for it and, and hopefully how to help you have the best time possible for any of our listeners out there. So let's get right into it, guys. Uh, before you set foot on property, um, because DMA, I think you've been there most recently and, and Rick, I want you to jump in on this one too. 
how the hell are you supposed to get there to the middle of nowhere if you're not uh, hecky and you live four hours away? Man, um, logistically, that is not the easiest place in the world to get to, that's for sure. Um, you know, they have, they have a few different options. So, you know, you get, you've got the uh, – Portland is probably one of the easier flights in, but it's uh, a longer flight down to, uh, to Bandon. Uh, I do think that uh, there's some pretty good transport services that are out there, I believe. Uh, DeChambeau, Caddy uh, put in a pretty good service. I'm sure Hecky could tell us more about that, but um, but it is a longer drive. Um, I have typically done um, Eugene, and um, it's a what about two and a half, three hour drive, maybe or so. Um, and we usually get a shuttle, and it takes us in. I know there is a uh, a, um, a location that's maybe 20, 25 minutes away that has uh, some regional jet service from Denver. It's very seasonal. Um, also, you could imagine it's probably going to be a little bit more expensive, but it is, um, you know, getting you in a little bit closer if you can if you can uh, score one of those coveted seats on those planes. And I think that would fly you directly into North Bend. Uh, That's right. That's right. Yep. So North Bend would be the airport that is obviously closest to uh, the resort. Rick, you recently went. Tell us a little bit about um, your experience getting there and if you have any tips or tricks on getting from, you know, say, East Coast or middle of the country to uh, the property itself. So um, I'm coming from the same region as David is. So coming from the South and DFW obviously goes everywhere. So I flew direct into Eugene, which was the easiest for me. There's a nonstop from Dallas. But it was also easiest for all the other guys who were all coming in from California. So I think Eugene's a pretty popular spot. It is two and a half hour drive, but it's not too bad at all. And uh, Eugene Country Club makes a very common and great stop for people when you do take that trip. And it's a really cool course. So I highly recommend that. Nice. But uh, yeah, for, for us in DFW, Eugene makes a lot of sense. And Hecky, being the local guy, we have a lot of folks on the West Coast that want to make it out there. I know you have an idea about a golf trip within a golf trip. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you get there being so close by. Well, so, you know, it's it's a pretty easy drive for me over the mountains. And then I have options. I can go through Eugene and stop by and, and play Eugene CC or... Uh, these days, there's there's a new course down in Roseburg called Bar Runs, designed by Dan Hickson, uh, who did uh, did Wine Valley. He's probably best known for Wine Valley. He also designed Bandon um, Bandon Crossings, which is the caddy course out in Bandon. So all the caddies go out and play Bandon Crossings. Um, speaking of caddies, Tim Tim Tucker's uh, uh, transport company is called Loop. You can find them at bandonlooptransportation.com. You're welcome, Tim. Uh, so yeah, you know, the, the golf trip within a golf trip is kind of a fun idea. I've, I've been trying to talk somebody into doing this where instead of flying into Eugene or North Bend or even Portland, fly into Redmond, fly into Central Oregon, come do the Central Oregon tour with me. I'll, I'll set it up. We'll go play Tethro and Pronghorn and Crosswater. We could play my club, Broken Top, which isn't on any lists, but it's the best course out here. Best greens in Central Oregon. Thank you. Uh, and then and then pop over to Roseburg, play around at Bar Run, and then uh, the next day head on over to, to Bandon and, and spend a few days over at Bandon Dunes. It, it, you know, it'd be a really fun trip. 
So there's there's that one. Or if you must fly into Portland, it'd be really fun to drive over to Astoria and play Astoria Golf and Country Club, which is like a, it's a super old golf course. It's really cool. It's built through the dunes. So you're playing in between sand dunes and it's like these big half pipes of holes. Uh, Tom Doak is noted as saying the third hole out there would be the most beautiful hole in golf if it weren't for the cart path that ruined it. Uh, and then, and then you've got Gearheart that's right there. Super cool, uh, old links course. I think it's like the, the second oldest, uh, continuous running golf course in North America, uh, next to Victoria golf club, which is up in Canada. Um, then you make your way down the coast, play Florence Golf Links, also highly rated coastal course here in Oregon. Uh, make your way to Bandit. So, a few different options uh, for the the trip within a trip. Only caddies get free advertising on the Thousand Greens podcast, so <laughs> you're you're welcome there. Too. Um, one other thing I'll toss in here um, for guys that are, are trying to make a little bit longer trip out of it or see a couple of sites on a trip. Um, when we did our two trips from uh, the Bay Area up, a lot of guys flew into the Bay Area and stayed a couple nights, um, you know, locally here. And we went and saw a few courses like Lake Merced, Olympic Club and whatnot. Um, plenty of stuff that uh, there are plenty of Thousand Greens hosts that would be happy to, I think, to, typically to, to host out here before, you know, taking the one hour flight up or even taking a nine hour drive uh, if you want to rent a car and do that. Um, I, I personally haven't done the drive yet, but I know tons of guys have and they say it's super easy. So uh, lots of different options, even locally uh, to, to do that kind of uh, trip within a trip. OK, um, before we jump to uh, getting on the property, what what do I need to have in the case, guys? What do I need to have in the travel bag? Should I even have a travel bag? Should I do ship sticks? What's the best way to go? Hecky, since you uh, started, since you went last on the last one, I'll let you start this time. Cool. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, you know, like I throw my clubs in the car and I drive over, but. Uh, I do plenty of golf travel and and have done trips all over the U.S. Um, what I what I do is I always I always pack a travel bag, right? I don't I don't want to uh, down on ship sticks at all because they are a supporter of Thousand Greens. So thank you, ship sticks. Uh, it's a great option for those folks who don't play that much golf and you know they they want to make sure their clubs get there and they don't have to lug them through the airport. Uh, great option. I like traveling with my clubs. I can pack some extra clothes in there around the clubs, keep them padded. Um, and I'm bringing one pair of socks for every round of golf that I'm playing. And then some, uh, so that I always have dry, clean socks to put on. I'm bringing two pairs of golf shoes, one for the morning, one for the afternoon in case they get wet. Uh, they do have boot dryers in the rooms, so you can throw those uh, wet golf shoes on the boot dryer and, and dry them out for the morning. Um, you got to you got to dress for all four seasons. So you're bringing you're bringing thermal layers, you're bringing rain gear, you're bringing two pairs of rain gloves, you're bringing a waterproof hat, a beanie, a puffer vest, shorts, pants, long underwear, wool socks. Uh, you name it, uh, you you want to make sure you plan for, for any kind of weather. So uh, it's a big bag, depending on how many days you're going to be there. Rick, uh, you went most recently. Tell us about what you took with you. 
So um, I would reiterate everything he said, especially the socks, the clothing, the layers. You you can't have too much there. Um, you might get rained on every day. You might get rained on not at all like we did, but you have to be prepared for it all, right? Um, and then you can get multiple seasons in one day. So you And you don't want to ruin it by not having the right gear, and you certainly don't want to have to buy it there. Um, the one thing I did throw in my bag that was really awesome is um, – a set of leg compression massagers. If you've ever seen those, they're like big sleeves you put over your legs. And every night after walking 36 plus holes, I would just chill and throw them on. And you can get these things for like 80 bucks on Amazon for uh, for a generic brand that are actually pretty damn good. So I'm going to throw it out there, especially for guys. Um, I know uh, heck he's in really good shape. I'm not. I walk 18 all the time. I never walk 36 ever. So going to Bandon was kind of a big deal. I was exhausted walking 36 every day. So those things were godsend. I would just chill for an hour having my legs and feet massaged. And I'd recommend that to anybody, especially someone who's not used to doing that much walking. Uh, I'll just add one quick thing there. Compression socks. Uh, if you have the wherewithal to pull those on and off between rounds or, you know, I, I agree with you, Hector, you got to change socks every round, uh, maybe more. <laughs> So compression socks certainly help with that, uh, that as well. If you want something while you're out there playing too, uh, be So it just depends on how you are. Rick said, Rick brings up a really good point about, you don't want to buy it there. Now I have a lot of bad habits and one of them happens to be walking into a pro shop. So if you are inclined to, um, uh, spend at a pro shop, then maybe you want to take the other side of that coin and say, don't pack as much because you're going to buy so much stuff in all the pro shops anyway. So you might as well plan to buy some things and, you know, and then you don't have as much to carry back. So it kind of just depends on which side of that coin you're on, but that's a, just know who you are and then plan accordingly. I think I fall somewhere between uh, these groups here. I bought probably one of every putter cover possible when I was at each of the pro shops because I just loved every design. Um, I'll add two things to what everyone said here. One, one of the best uh, cold weather investments I've ever made is a $20 pair of electric hand warmers from Amazon. Uh, You charge these things with USB overnight, you get 12 hours of use out of them. And they also serve as a battery backup. So if your phone dies, you can use it to charge your phone. not super you know useful on the additional features but these things will keep your hands warm in basically any weather which to me is a key to playing golf in the cold weather and a lot of guys that you know are maybe thinking about doing their first band trip for the first time have never played with water touching their skin so staying warm and staying dry are the two big things if, if you haven't if you haven't gotten the takeaway yet that's the takeaway from what you need to take with you and uh, i completely agree that some of my favorite rain gear possessions that I have, I purchased an abandoned dunes pro shop, namely a bucket hat with the preserve logo on it that I see uh, hecky wearing right now. Uh, okay. They, they do. I, I got to add one, one other thing. They do make rains specific golf gloves. And, and that's, that's really important for those people who have never played golf in the rain. Um, I'm not going to shame anybody, but how dare you? uh look it things get slippery out there engineers design these gloves so that they maintain their grip when they get wet they even get grippier when they're wet and they keep your hands warm um so foot joy makes great 
rain glove. Uh, that's, that's all I ever rock when I'm out there. So I don't wear a glove. Otherwise, if it's not raining, I'm, I'm raw dogging it. Love it. Yeah. Agree. Make sure you get those rain gloves wet as soon as you put them on and don't take them off. That's, that's the key. Um, all right, before we jump into getting on the property, we're still on our way there. Um, I want everyone's best tip or hack for the property. Um, Hecky, I see yours written down, so you go ahead and, and lay it on us. What's your best tip? So so some of this is going to fall on whoever's booking the trip, right? So, you, you know, one person's organizing this trip, booking all the tea times, all the rooms, everything. When you're booking your tee times, if you're wanting to play 36 holes a day, try and book around at the preserve. That's the 13 hole par three course between your two full 18 hole rounds. And the reason for this is the replay rate on the preserve is the cheapest replay rate out there. Uh, it's like somewhere between 100 and 150 bucks. Um, and then your third round or fourth round, if you can get it in. It's free. So save a little bit of money. You don't necessarily have to play all 13 holes at the preserve. If you're going to be dog tired, it totally makes sense. You can just go out and play a couple and then walk off. Um, hell, you can even go check in and then not play at all because uh, your third round's free. Uh, really good act. Uh, I'll give you guys one more uh, from, and, and it may not be super relevant as far as a hack, but my best tip um, is make sure you visit the turn stands at every single course because they have some of the best views uh, on the properties. And I still think the turn stand at Old Mac might have the single greatest view of any turn stand in the world. Um, you know, I'm, I'm counting that up there with Maidstone. I'm counting that up there with some of the other ones that I know we've all been lucky enough to see, but man, that view just always gets me when I'm out there. And, and you know, uh, the single best value I think is probably still the, uh, the Foster's oil can. If you can stomach the beer, um, I think they still charge the same amount for a normal size can of beer for that thing. But uh, yeah, if you're, if you're imbibing when you're on the course, which uh, I imagine most folks are. You know, one thing is you're, you know, you mentioned prior to getting there and, and heck you, by the way, thanks for that hack. I'm actually going to use that one. I didn't know that one um, is uh, um, don't forget to book your dinner reservations ahead of time before you get there, because there are only X number of restaurants available. In some cases, some of them might be closed a certain night or they might be booked for an event which, which pushes everybody else even tighter into the other places. And I've had many times where I walked in with our guys and the place was empty and we thought this would be great. We'll just have a seat. And they say, no, we're, we're booked for the night. And, and, you know, everybody's huddled up at a bar or something. So uh, make sure that you plan for that in advance before you get there for your party. Um, somebody, you know, as Hecky said, it's sort of some of these things fall on whoever the planner is. A planner needs to take care of that ahead of time for sure. Having only been once, I don't have a ton of experience with this stuff, but I would say that the reservations are huge. We actually like basically had to work around the fact that every restaurant was packed. So we just went to the, the tavern and got there as early as we could and beat the dinner rush. And if we didn't, by the time we were, we were leaving, uh, I think we got there like five, it, the place was packed. Like you could not have gotten in at that point. So the rest of reservations are key. 
And also the best, um, some of the best food is at the Sheep Ranch Clubhouse. Also a great fire pit, awesome place to chill between rounds. So if you're going to eat lunch in any of the actual club houses, that's the best one we found. And it was actually a really solid meal. And like I said, the fire pit, you're overlooking the water. It's an awesome place to be. Yeah, this, this actually brings brings up a good topic, I think, that that we could cover just briefly, Love, which is food at Bandon. Um, so, you know, for those that aren't familiar, when you're out there at the resort, there, there's nothing within a stone's throw away, right? You're 20-minute drive to town. So if you can't get into any of the restaurants on site, you're you're driving 20 minutes into town, taking an Uber, taking a taxi, whatever. The, you know, the shuttle service won't take you to town. Um, and while there's decent food options in town, that's kind of a last resort. Um, on site, you've got the restaurant at Trails. You've got the Foundry at uh, the Main Lodge area. You've got the Puffin Bar that will also serve food. Um, then you've got McKee's Pub that's right there, just like right next door to the the main lodge. And then over at Pacific Dunes, there's a restaurant. And soon to come, it's under construction, is going to be another steakhouse uh, up by Old Mac, um, in addition to further down the road at Sheep Ranch uh, that Rick mentioned has, has really good lunch fare. There's places that are good for dinner. There's places that are good for lunch. Um, I recommend the Foundry for dinner, which is the steakhouse that's like at the main lodge. It's really good. I think the dinner at Pacific Dunes isn't that great. Hot take. I know some people love it. Um, I think it's kind of mediocre for what you're paying for. Um, I love McKee's pub. I love going in there and getting the poutine, getting the meatloaf, order a pizza, I walk away from Bandon Dunes every time at least five pounds heavier because I just eat my face off in the keys. I love it. Still, I still love the scotch eggs there. One of my favorite things to have. So, um, well, so while we're on that topic, I want to move that into lodging as well. Um, so one, one, one point that I want to make is one of my trips was with a group of guys that, uh, that didn't want to stay on the property. So what we did was we rented a house that was kind of in the property area, like in the property line. And we had a couple of rental cars. We, it was less than a five minute drive into any of the golf courses. And what we'd end up doing every morning was taking both cars, parking them at the resort and just sort of using the shuttle transportation in, in, while we're inside and eating everywhere inside and coming back out. Uh, one of the guys on the trip was a chef and so for dinner every night, we would all just pile back in the cars and come back to the house. Uh, you know, super nice house is sort of made for this experience with like a hot tub and a pool table and a ping pong table and, and like chef's kitchen and all that. And he would cook dinner every night. So uh, there are options outside of the ones, um, you know, if, I think if you look on Airbnb or VRBO um, or just sort of do a quick search for abandoned uh, rentals, uh, these are becoming increasingly more popular, um, but also a good option and, and good for a budget as well. I know we fit, um, I think it had to be 12 guys in that house pretty easily. And uh, we weren't coming anywhere near the daily rate that uh, Bandon charges, which, you know, I between the two, uh, I'm sort of split. I could go either way, but I see a huge value in staying on the property too, for all the reasons that the guys have mentioned. So um, with that, uh, uh, let's talk about the the best places and maybe the worst places on the property to stay. 
um, as well. Uh, I'm happy to talk more about the offsite stuff, but I think most you guys all stayed on property every time you go. Is that right? Okay. So D may tell us a little bit about your experience not staying on the property. Yeah. So my, my first trip, um, was actually an impromptu trip. So I was, it turns out I was just going to be in the area. Um, I didn't really have anything planned. I actually didn't even go with a group of buddies on that particular trip. Um, and, uh, I, I got a recommendation from a friend of mine, um, and stayed in town at the Bandon Inn. Um, and, while I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of staying on the property and everything there about, um, it was a, it, it turned out it was certainly a cost-effective solution because you're not paying anything like it. Um, they had a shuttle every day that took me to the property. So it was really easy. Um, and then when I got back, they picked me up every day and then um, I, I could walk to any restaurant or any of the, you know, the, the better restaurants in the area from, from uh, that location. So uh, for me, it was, uh, it was a, it was a nice experience. um, But I still much prefer going and staying with my buddies on the property and not having to ever worry about anything, um, you know, anywhere. Uh, What what about you guys? Like, so uh, Rick, did you stay on property? Yeah, we did. We stayed in the Lily Pond Cottage. Obviously, I don't have anything to compare it to, but it was awesome. Big, roomy, two yeah. queens. I mean, it's perfect for what what you would need because you're never in the room. No, you're other that, than the rest. Or, or in my case, we were we were we stayed in Lily Pond and we were drying out clothes in between rounds. So yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> there's so, that. Um, yeah. but just to add, um, on the first night we couldn't get lodging, so we stayed at the Best Western in Bannon. And it was actually really nice. So I would also recommend that. It's uh, it's a Best Western. It's like 15 minutes away from Band of Dunes. And it was super affordable. It was like just over 100 bucks a night. Um, and it was it was perfect. No complaints at all. Great. Yeah, so I, I love the topic of off-site versus on-site. And before you book anything off-site, make sure you call the resort and get your tea time secured. Because... They won't always give you a tea time without also having lodging. So give them a call and make sure, you know, right now, I think they're booking like two years out. It's a little outrageous. <laughs> I can tell you my story about that one too. <laughs> I just went through that and it was insane. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's nuts. Like, you know, if you're, if you're booking a big group, forget about it. Right? Like you, you gotta be one of the first people to call when they drop those new reservation windows. So, you know, lodging totally depends on who you're going with, right? If you're going with a group of four and money's no object, book the lodge suite, four bedroom, four bathroom in the main lodge, looking out over Bandon Dunes, like, you know, the, the original uh, lodging uh, before they built everything else out. Super cool. Um uh, if you've got a really big group, you know, like we did 36 guys once. And, and with, with that, we, I think we took over the entire Lily Pond complex. That's um, awesome. It was really cool. It was like a frat house, right? Like we were, we were dicing until three in the morning. Guys were puking on the first tee. It was just a, a total shit show. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we'll talk about that, how like hydrate, right? Don't yeah. drink too much all that stuff. But 
My favorite rooms there by far are the Round Lake rooms. So uh, my son and I went down last year for uh, a parent junior golf tournament. Um, and and we won that, by the way. It was pretty awesome. Uh, New Year's Day, went down, stayed in the, the Round Lake uh, double. And it's their newest rooms. So they're like really spacious, really nicely appointed. Uh, they look out at Round Lake. You're you're right across the street from the preserve and from Bandon Trails. Quick walk over to the lodge. Uh, really ideal lodging. Nice. Um, so th- that brings up actually a great point, Hecky. When we're ta- before we get into the courses, because I really want to start talking about courses themselves. I think so I, most people are going to be listening, but um group size what you know it sounds like you've done quite a few different group sizes here um you know i've had groups go anywhere from um i think 12 to about 16 guys it's never been like just a foursome uh what what do you guys think is the optimal group size um or is there is it just more of a a vibe among the guys 36 is too much I feel like there has to be an outer limit here at some point, but okay. 36. So, so I have 20 going next year, which I already know is probably more than I wanted to bite off. Um, But I'm, I'm, I'm willing to find my limit and then scale back. So 20 is what I've got going next year. I feel like, and, and uh, heck yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see what you think, but I feel like probably eight is a really nice number. That you go and four is probably is great too. Eight, you got a bunch of guys to hang out with. There's a lot of shit talk you can have. There's a bunch of different bets and gambling, and there's always somebody that'll go to bed early or somebody that'll stay up late, no matter what you want. And you can probably still get reservations, and it's not you only need a couple tea times. You go a little more, and you start adding a little more complexity, and somebody you know, and um, whatever. So I feel like eight is probably a really, really nice, easy number to work your way around bandit. Yeah. And I would just say that's for like most places. Uh, we, all of us have been on a lot of golf trips and you start getting too many and it gets a little crazy. It's hard to keep up. You're not seeing everybody cause there's too many people. Um, it's hard to get reservations anywhere. So, you know, eight people is almost perfect. You can still have lots of games. You can do whatever you want, but you're also not going to spend your entire trip just trying to, to coordinate things and get people in to eat. And, uh, so yeah, I think that's a good number. For sure. Um, and one more thing we should add here before we jump into the courses is like everything, there's a price, but Ben, the folks at Bandon, I know uh, historically are willing to do uh, scoreboards and customized uh, game sheets and everything for you. Um, and, you know, they'll have it up in the, in the restaurant when you show up so you can all have your shit talking and writing up your scores, mm-hmm. just like you do at your own member guests. So you really can, uh, it's, tailor-made for the build your own member guest uh, event. Um, I know we've done that a couple of times um, and other places you kind of have to go and get your own big piece of poster board and make it up as you go. But uh, they do a pretty good job there, if I recall correctly. I love, don't forget, we can also build you a game on Unknown Golf. What are you crazy? Come on. I I, I couldn't (laughs) possibly forget. uh, Again, only (laughs) free advertising for caddies on Thousand Greens podcast. (laughs) 
I, I do have a quick story about that, though. We had a group, actually some guys from um, from uh, Thousand Greens that were out about three or four weeks ago. And they were on their first round at Pacific. And they called me and they said, hey, something's wrong. Our, the handicap holes are not aligning. So I started looking and I'm like, this is exactly what's in the USGA. If you're posting scores, it's a, what's on every site that does any live scoring. So they're literally on the front nine. I, I pretty much know what the issue is. I call the State Golf Association. I get a hold of them. They look and they said, you're not going to believe this. But when the World Handicap System rolled out, um, we were processing all of those and we had to key them all in. And Pacific Dunes has been stuck in the queue for three years and nobody knew about it. And I got it fixed during their round. It updated. And so now everybody who posts in the USGA going forward at Pacific Dunes, you're welcome. If, if thanks, not, thanks for that. We we actually encountered that same problem back in December. We we our club went and did a trip down there, and I was looking at the scorecard, and I was looking at, at Golf Genius, and the handicaps oh. didn't line up. Yep. And you know we had like we had a money game going. We're you know we're doing like a hundred bucks a hole, and I'm like I'm giving this one guy. I think it was Freel. I think it was giving Freel like freaking ten pops, and I'm like no no no. No, we're going to figure out what the right handicap is here because I don't want to be giving you strokes on a par three. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, so it it is now updated and correct. So if you go um, use unknown golf or any of the other um, systems that use that, uh, they will now um, they will now work correctly. Well, if that's not customer focus and, and relentless pursuit of the customer, I don't know what is. I think uh, Jeff Bezos will be proud to, to hear that story when he listens to this podcast later. Uh, great, guys. Well, all right. So now let's get to the meat of it. When we get on property, there are, if I'm correct, five full-length golf courses, one par three course, two very large putting greens and probably one of the biggest ranges I've ever seen in my entire life. So let's go to the rankings. Uh, Rick, you were there most recently, I think. Give us your top to bottom order of the five courses. Um, well, the really cool part of this, and I'm sure it'll happen again, is there's always different answers. And that to me is the mark of an amazing place. Um, you get, you hear every single one of them as a favorite, but my current mindset on it would be, um, Bannon Dunes, Sheep Ranch, uh, Pacific Dunes, Trails, Old McDonald, and then the, the Preserve. I've honestly changed since I've been there, and I'll probably change again. Um, I truly love them all. I think they're all awesome. And I do say, if I had 10 rounds to split, I would play all the big courses twice. Even though I might prefer one to the next, I think they all provide a unique experience, and they're all really awesome. That's a great answer. Dime? What's your order? Um, I think I would go uh, Bandon, Old Mac, Pacific, um, Trails, and then Sheep, only because I haven't been on Sheep yet. I've only seen it. Um, but I am also going by what I hear in the uh, from people around there. So that's influenced. I'm a big fan of Old Mac, and it – People usually either like it a lot or they hate it. And I just like the uniqueness and differentiation of that course um, that stands out differently than most courses you play. And Trails is a beautiful track, 
but I feel like I can play a course similar to that a lot of places. So that's why I rate it down, even though it's a fantastic course. Hecky. So this is, this is always a hot take. Uh, I think trails is the best track out there. I think it's one of the best golf courses in the world, period, bar none. Um, and I think it gets rated lower because of what D may mentioned is it's a different style track, right? It's, it's a, it's a woodland golf course, uh, on the ocean. And, and so it gets, you know, I think it gets underrated because of that. But if you were to take Bandon trails and put it anywhere else in the world, um, it would, it would blow any other course that it was near out of the water, hundred percent. Um, so after trails, I like Pacific Dunes, Old Mac, Bandon, and then Sheep. Um, and you know, the only reason I rank Old Mac so low is that it's got some really magnificent holes. Love, you mentioned the the turn stand there is one of the best views in golf, and totally, you're totally right. Um, but it you, you kind of lose the plot somewhere in the middle of of the back nine. Um, where you're crisscrossing back and forth, kind of, you know, playing, um, uh, playing along the same hole that you just played. And some of the holes are less memorable than others, but then, you know, it makes up for it. Like those, those closing last three holes are pretty awesome. Um, so tough. it's a, it's a really tough one to rank. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've played, I... I've played them all so many times that like, it's going to change. My ranking will change after next weekend. <laughs> um, so, you know, to your point, Rick, uh, everyone's going to come back with a different ranking here. So mine is different, even than the three that you guys mentioned. I like, to me, the reason to go to Bandon is old Mac. There's just nothing else like it. I am that guy. That's like, that is the best thing there. Like by far, like, and, and I, I, that's not to say I don't like any of the other courses. I think it's just, like there's nothing else like in the world. It's like playing golf on the moon. Those greens are the biggest greens anywhere in the world, period. Right. Like that's just wild to think. Um, and then after that, I would go Pacific, Bandon, and then Trails. But again, I think it's not because I don't like any of those courses. I think they're all amazingly good golf courses. And the only reason I put um trails behind the other ones is uh, for the reasons that everyone said above, right? Like it's it's a golf experience. I feel like you could have elsewhere, and I'm just trying to rank them in the most unique experience as possible. And like the reason to go to Bandon, um, and, and yeah, and I haven't been to Sheep Ranch, so I refuse to add that into my list because I don't I don't know where it should fall. And um, okay, so that being said, now let me ask you guys uh, the question that I feel like no one ever asks when you go. If you were to take the first hole from uh, whichever course you wanted and like the best first hole from all five courses, the best second hole from all five courses, the best third hole from all five courses and list them. We're not going to go through the exercise, but just if you take that it, it, conceivably in one day, you could play the best 18 ranked holes in order at Bandon. Would that golf course be better than any golf course in the world? I mean, I would say yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I haven't done the thought project, so I can't actually say that, but I don't see how it couldn't be. I mean, there's so much good golf there. If you could just magically take the an 18 hole out of five great courses, I think it would be. You could probably do that project with some other places in the world. 
and take the best you know combination of holes and do the same thing. But uh, but yeah, I would think so, just by the numbers, right? Again, there's so many course, so many great courses in the U.S. and the world that I haven't played that uh, I, it's hard to say. But just like Rick said, if you take five courses that are ranked in the top fifty in the U.S., and I'd say that for the most part, they all deserve that. Um, and you took the best holes from all of them to create an 18-hole course, I don't know how it couldn't be. Um, matter of fact, I think you could probably you could probably build three top 10 courses out of that um, if you start moving them around because you're going to go through that exercise and say, wow, how am I leaving this hole out? But that one's so much better. And so you could really create something in my mind. Yeah, that's a that's a tough question, love. I, uh, look, like you could probably do the same thing down in Monterey, Carmel area, and come up with an even better golf course. <laughs> yeah, but you can't uh, play them all in the same day, right? That's the difference. Yeah, yeah, true, true that. So, yeah, undoubtedly, it's it's some of the best golf in the world. Yeah. Um, the only the only reason I ask this question or, or ask it that way is if you're on the fence, anyone listening here about going and whether you're going to get a great golf experience, I think from everyone I've ever talked to, you will have an all world golf experience every single day that you're there. I mean, you, I, I get a little frustrated when I hear people rank the courses and they say, oh, this one's so much worse than that one. That's This is not true. They're all amazingly good golf courses for what they are, and they'll all present interesting challenges to every skill level, and um, you'll have some memory. This man, D-May, I know you're the guy that likes to put yourself in a weird position so that you can hit the miracle recovery shot. You, get, you have that opportunity 18 times uh, every course that you go to bend, and so I, I just can't say enough wonderful things about the courses there. So when we talk about ranking, it's a little bit just you know, would you rather? But the answer is both or all every single time in my mind. Um, but that being said, uh, I will ask each of you what I think is the hardest question. If you only get to play one day there, which two courses are you playing? Because it doesn't necessarily correlate to what you think are the one and two are the two best courses. I'll, I'll go. For me, I'm playing Old Mac for sure because I just love the course. I love the way you phrase that. I mean, I go back and forth all, of, all the time if Old Mac is my one or two. I just love that course for the, for the reasons that you said, the size of the greens, the, the style of play that it is, et cetera. And then I – mean, Pacific or Bandon is always where I, I go back and forth. I love Bandon so much because not only is it great golf, but it was the first one. It's where the whole vision started. And I'm really, um, you know, I'm really a fan of that. But Pacific has those magnificent holes that run along the ocean and it's just breathtaking. So um, opt, I'll, I'll answer diplomatically. Since it's so hard to get tea times, I'm taking Old Mac and whichever one of those is available. <laughs> I love it. You answered without actually answering. That's that's great. Rick, what, <laughs> what, what were the two courses you're playing if you're there for one day? Um, I think I do Bandon and Sheep Ranch, my top two. Um, one thing I think is if you're going all the way, especially for us, uh, for heck, it's not a long drive or you know trip. For us, it's a long ways. If I'm going all the way to the ocean, 
I'm going to, I want to be on the ocean a lot, right? Um, it's not a coincidence that most of the best courses in the world are near the ocean. We all love the ocean. I want to be there a lot. Cheap Ranch gives you the most. Span and Pacific both give you a lot. So I'm definitely doing that. Um, well, I love trails and I think you could argue that it's the best 18 holes there. I, um, as David said earlier, I can get that experience somewhere else. There's awesome core Crenshaws. I think old sandwich is a better version of Bannon trails. So I can go play that somewhere else without going, you know, there. So while I'm there, I want to be on the ocean. So give me the ocean courses first, even if I might old McDonald's McDonald's awesome. It's so fun. And the more you guys talk about it, the more I want to go play it. Um, but, and you do get ocean holes there. But but give me Bannon, give me Deep Ranch all day, and I'll be happy. Becky? Oh, I'm starting my morning at Pacific Dunes because there's nothing better than going down that uh, that that back nine stretch as the as the fog's starting to get pressed down and pushed back out to sea, and it's just kind of lapping up at the bluff, and so you look like you're just playing a floating golf course on your on your way down the beach um and then uh ending my day on trails uh there's absolutely no more beautiful sunset than when you're walking up to that 14th tee box the very tippy top of the dunes and there's a plaque there uh that that actually commemorates where where mike kaiser stood and took it all in and and came up with the vision for the the entire property um so while it's an inland golf course a little bit uh you're not right there on the ocean you can definitely see it from a lot of different spots on the property and it's one hell of a sunset uh and and uh, my favorite course out there i think for me i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna join you for that morning round at pack dunes and i'm gonna head right over to old mac in the afternoon because i want that sideways blowing wind experience when i go to when i go to abandon okay guys appreciate your thoughts on on the courses themselves let's get to some of the the little details that we have towards the end actually this is not a small detail i think when we talk about caddies um caddies can make or break the experience of a golf trip like this one and bandon does a better job than any other property i know of making sure that the caddy experience is just absolutely top quality and and i know you i know each of you has your regular guys that you probably uh, reach out to I know I've got a couple shout out to Blair if anyone's listening Blair's a great guy he used to caddy at my home club here and moved up there and uh, is all world caddy and it's not going to get blown over by the wind so um, you know what do you guys think as far as should you take caddies I'm clearly in the group that says yes uh, what's what's good about it what's bad give me your give me your takes on on the caddy experience abandoned Rick, I'll start with you. Um, well, we had the same caddies the whole time. I can't remember his name. I'd have to look it up at my phone, but he was awesome. And that was just luck, though. I've, I've, having been there once, I didn't have a regular caddy, and he was great. Great reads, worked his butt off. Um, it was an awesome experience. And I will say, I am always pro caddy, pretty much anywhere I play. I, I love having a caddy. And especially abandoned when you are walking 36, 54, however many holes you want. I feel like I'd rather spend a little extra money, have a guy there helping me out, keeping me fresh. I think it's worth it. You're going to enjoy your later rounds more. Um, so definitely, I'm very pro caddy. And uh, I'm sure they have bad caddies there, but both the caddies we had were awesome. Dime? Man, I am 
just like Rick, I'm all pro caddy. Um, I, the two times I have gone, I have just sort of had the caddy that was assigned to me. And I know the most recent one is now moved away. So he's not there any longer, but you know, I look at the caddy situation as I want somebody to show me around. So help me get around the golf course, help me understand things, tell me stories, tell me lies, tell me jokes, laugh, help me bet, root me on, make fun of me. Um, maybe even have a drink with me. Um, I, you know, they're part of the overall experience. I've already heard all of my buddies' stories, most likely anyway, so I might as well hear somebody's some new ones. And, um, and you know, like you said, the caddy program, that I'm sure you're going to get newer ones or some that aren't great, but Bandon does a great job with their caddies. And you get one that's been around the loop several times, they're going to know what they're doing. They're going to give you some some help and it's going to enhance your experience tremendously. So I would not consider going around there without a caddy, nor do I want to carry my bag anyway. What do you think, Hecky? Yeah, if you're, you know, if it's your first time there, you need a caddy. Like there's, there's so many gotchas out there that if you go without one, you better be a damn good golfer uh, and you better walk every shot. Uh, but uh, honestly, you know, like, like these guys mentioned, it, it's always better to have somebody carrying your bag. You're, you're going to feel more rested at the end of the day. Um, and, and they're, they're a great companion out on the course and they're a lot cheaper than the other kind of companions that you pay for. So, you know, I could name on, on both my hands and probably both my feet, a whole bunch of caddies out there that are great, that have been there, you know, some of them since day one. Um, and I, you know, I don't want to leave anybody out, so I don't want to throw any names out. Uh, but you know, you call and you just tell them, I want a caddy and they're going to hook you up with somebody great. Absolutely. And it's worth every penny. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, it's part of the band and experience. Uh, you, you gotta, gotta go for it. I'm just imagining someone that's kind of, a, you know, four or five time a year golfer going and standing on the third tee at old Mac trying to figure out where the hell to go. Like <laughs> without a caddy, it's just, uh, it's, it's like, what, where, where are we? I thought we're at the end of the property at this point already. So um, yeah, it, I can't say enough good things. You know, uh, like I said, I've got a couple guys that I've known there for a long time. Couldn't recommend, you know, get recommendations from your buddies if you want, but you're never going to go wrong. Uh, just, calling up and asking uh for the next loop that's available um okay I'll always offer when you're at the turn stands by the way always offer to buy your caddy a beer or a gatorade or a cookie or something they love that and they like they'll they'll give you that extra little mile just by taking care of them this is my first time doing a marathon golf trip. And, and to be clear, anyone doing Bandon for the first time, this is very much a marathon. Do not, this is not your, your normal, you know, bachelor party trip where you, you get tanked the first night and you walk, you try to walk off the hangover the next morning. It's just not going to be a fun experience if you do that. So it's very much a marathon, but for the actual golf, your three plus days, 36 holes, which is kind of the typical trip now, uh, what should you do, guys, to get ready if that's not something that you are physically designed to do immediately? 
Oh yeah. For me, it was big time. And so I'll speak for like the average Joe guy who is not in great shape. I I don't work out every day. Um, I love golf because it gets me outside. It's the one thing where I do enjoy getting some exercise. Um, So my preparation was just doing a lot of golf, playing 18 holes, walking most of the time. And I had, I think, nine days notice for my trip. So I did not have time to prepare. And I will tell you, it kicked my butt walking 36 holes every day. Um, even with a caddy drained, drained me big time. And so for those who aren't ready for it, um, it's definitely going to have an effect on them. So I wish I could say I did prepare, but I simply didn't have time. So the, but I will say walking every every time you golf is certainly going to prepare you a lot better than riding in a cart. So to anyone going just start walking at home, if you, if you usually use a cart, switch to walking and you'll be ready for that first 18. And then you'll just will yourself from the, through the second 18 or third 18 because it's so gorgeous and awesome. And I usually um, start training about, uh, you know, at least a couple of weeks ahead of time, start trying to add one or two more drinks around uh, into my regimen, um, maybe try to get a couple different transfusions each round. Just I want to make sure that I'm prepared because you can't go out there just <laughs> trying to have one transfusion and like a couple of beers and just think like, you've got to get yourself ready. Cause then you've got to still be able to go that night with the boys and have some more drinks. And then there's some great fire pits that have been mentioned here. I mean, you just can't take this thing lightly. So I really try to ramp it up. Um, I will walk a little bit ahead of time. Like Rick said, usually from my parking lot to my golf cart, but sometimes I might walk a little bit further um and uh yeah and um i it was a there was a day where i actually did carry my bag from the truck to the cart just to kind of get that little extra you know stimulation so um but no i think you do have to you do need to um that's mostly true actually um but uh i uh you know i would do some things like i think if you can do some extra um, walking, if you can do some extra things on the golf course, if you can, you know, if you're a gym person, do some gym things, stretch for sure, stretch, start stretching before, stretch while you're there. Um, you know, take, if those of you got a Theragun, take your Theragun with you um, and, you know, kind of do that. Advil will be one of your best friends along with Transfusions and Bob. And, you know, just, uh, you know, just be prepared for some of that because the walking will take its toll. Um, that's one of the things that's nice to have the caddy. If you have a good caddy to tell you stories, you'll think less about the pain. Ball bounce arm curls. That's Dime's recipe for success. Hecky, any, any tips for the newbies? Yeah, well, you know, Dime hit it, diet and exercise, right? Like any, any fitness regimen includes both diet and exercise. So you got to prepare your body from the inside out. And, and one of those things is, is, uh, your alcohol tolerance. You're going to drink a lot more out there. If you drink, if you're the kind of person that doesn't drink, then you're probably better off betting your friends that are drinking so that you can go home with all the money. You're going to win all the money for sure. So if you do drink and you're playing with the guy who doesn't drink, maybe prepare your pocketbook rather than your body. Um, no, but in, in all, in all reality, you know, everyone's situation at home is different at work is different and it's, it's hard to prioritize this stuff. You can't really prepare for spending all day walking up and down sand dunes. 
it's like, it's, it's just not possible unless you live near gigantic sand dunes. Um, in which case you're probably already prepared. So some things you can do, um, while you're like on a, on a conference call, um, or, you know, walk up and down the stairs, like go like two, three stairs at a time. Sometimes like do lunges up the stairs and down the stairs, try not to hurt yourself. Um, air squats, jump squats, burpees, box jumps. Um, you know, it's, it's all about getting those legs ready for, for, uh, 40,000 steps a day. Uh, and it, and that's real. It's, it's like at least 30,000 if you're a good golfer, but if you're a shitty golfer, like all of us, 40,000 steps a day. And don't forget all the bunkers that you're climbing in and out of. I think so. You're going to have about 15 or 20 flights of stairs added to that, too. Um, one of the things I'll say is people tend to forget when you're walking 36 holes, you need to eat between round. You need to eat while you're walking. It's it's really hard to I mean, yes, it's very easy to, you know, chase Bob around and to have a couple of transfusions, but make sure you also grab a power bar or a sandwich or something. Uh, during at least the second round, because it's it's unbelievable how many calories you're burning, even if you don't, especially if you're not walking that much, your body will react in very different ways. So be sure you're, you're doing a good job of taking in enough calories. And the other thing that people always forget, drink enough water, you know, drink as much as you want in terms of alcohol. I'm never going to tell you not to do that on a golf trip, but just try to chase at least for the second half of the day, each drink with a bot with a bottle of water, and it'll make you feel infinitely better for the entire trip. Um, and the uh, kind of the last thing I'll say is, in addition to water, getting enough electrolytes because you burn off a lot of that. And and uh, lip balm is the other thing that I never really thought about, but my lips just come away feeling burned to hell every time I do one of these trips and forget to use lip balm. So. You know, if you if you have a minute and you're doing a couple of last things to prepare, grab some of those electrolyte packets. Shout out to Element or to, uh, you know, Liquid IV, those kinds of things. Uh, just dry packets. You can toss them straight into a bottle of water, super light. And uh, the other one, it, by the way, podcast is looking for a sponsor, Element, in case you want to uh, sponsor the podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, make sure you're getting enough. Uh, to eat on the course. What well, one thing, love on the on the lip balm front, it it doesn't go on your lips. It's gold bond stick, and if you are not prepared to walk thirty six holes a day like most people aren't, there's chafing involved, and you can prevent that if you get that gold bond stick going early and often. I got one in my bag. It lives in my bag. It doesn't leave my bag until it's gone. What's your favorite memory uh, from Bandon? And you get to share just one. Oh, well, my favorite story is simply the one I shared a bit earlier. Um, it was literally the day we played Bandon Dunes. Um, it, uh, it was our first round in the morning. Um, forecast wasn't good, but it was worse than that. And it was absolutely blowing like 35 miles an hour pouring down rain you couldn't see any hole from the tee box and over half of them from the fairway but it was we were, we were abandoned and as hecky said early on in this podcast if you don't play in the rain no shame on you like we're there everybody nobody wanted to play golf nobody wanted to play golf but yet we were abandoned that's why we were there 
embrace it, suck it up and go see what you can do. I think we had one guy in the group break 90 and, um, and none of us were horrible golfers. Um, the, I literally at the turn ran into the clubhouse and wrung my rain, one of my two rain suits out just so I could put it back on just so it, I had less water on me as I was walking the back nine. Um, and then that was where my buddy made the comment, you know, I paid $500 to play golf in a, in a dishwasher that we, we literally bring it up once a week. It's still one of the most epic things. It was completely a, a miserable experience yet awesome experience that we'll never forget. So that's my most memorable story from being a dude. Heck, you give me your, give me, I know you got a ton of them, but what's, what's one story that you want to tell us about real quick? Oh, was, man, I was racking my brain and I've got, I've got a bunch that I don't think I want the rest of the world to know about me. Cause they're like, I'm probably revealing a little too much about what I'm willing to do. Uh, but I think I'm just going to get selfish for a minute. We were, um, we were out there with, with a big group of guys. It was, it was my club versus another club. And, uh, our club got our asses kicked in this Ryder cup deal. Like we, we just got worked over, but, uh, Pacific dunes going out. I was struggling. I think I shot like a 42 on the front was, was really just not having a great round. And, uh, and, and I was playing with, with one of my pros and, and somehow he, he got in my head and, and totally turned my, my mental game around I, I came back in and I shot a 32 on the back, like just night and day difference, like kicked ass on the back nine, won a bunch of money, um, birdied 18, like rolled in a killer putt on 18 to make birdie and, and win my match. And, um, and it, like, that's, that stands out in my mind as, as one of my favorite rounds out there because like, that's possible on those golf courses. Like you can go out and, and shoot the round of your life. They're not unapproachable. Totally agree with that sentiment. And I think that's why people love the courses and the, in the orders that they do because of the experiences they have. Rick, give me your story. A lot of times it's the experience you had, right? Like it's, especially if you only played a place once, it's how was that day? Um, when we played Sheep Ranch, I said there was very little wind. It was perfect 60 degrees. And I'll always forget, uh, always remember coming in on 16, 17, 18, we're the last people on the course. The sun is setting. It's gorgeous. And it's just us. And we're walking in, staring out of this beautiful sunset as like it literally goes down as we're finishing 18. And it was just like a perfect moment. Everything was just keyed up so that we could have the perfect round at Sheep Ranch. So maybe I do overrate it a little bit because the one time I played it was the perfect day and you couldn't ask for anything better from start to finish. Um, but just being there on 17 as the sunset was was unbelievable and I'll never forget it. So I'll, I'll give you guys my the, the reason that I love Bandon and why I even wanted to do this podcast. Well, oh, here comes the hole-in-one story. Here comes a hole-in-one ball. No, no, no. Uh, I love that guys take their trips to this place as seriously. And, and it's like, it's the highlight of everyone's year. And when you go there, every single person there is having as good a time as you are. And, and you know, you just know it's going to be 
an awesome day. I think there are very few places and very few times in your life when you wake up knowing today's going to be a great day. And every single day abandoned is like that. And uh, for Scott Walker, who's listening, this is uh, the trophy that he had designed for our first uh, trip there for the Walker Cup. And he's never actually owned this trophy in four playings of the Walker Cup. So it's getting pretty dusty on my desk back here, as you guys can see. Uh, so Scott, whenever you feel like whatever you feel like trying to win it back, I'm happy to make a return trip to Bandon. And and for all the listeners, um, you know, first of all, thank you all for joining me uh, on this journey to talk about Bandon. Um, what what I hope you you got as a takeaway was we all love it. We're all golf nerds. We're all completely obsessed, and and it's it's still uh, one of those experiences that I think all of us on this podcast would sign up to immediately go for again with friends. Uh, so if you have an opportunity, go. We're not being paid to say any of this. Frankly, we're not being paid to do any of this either. Uh, so take it, take it upon yourself. Jump on the trip. Don't say no and go play more golf. Mm-hmm.